We are in that season of collaboration in the Bible translation world, and it's happening elsewhere, and I think it's, it's a great uh, demonstration of that unity when LBT and Seed Company can, can do some tasks together. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Richard Usky. And I'm Emily Wilson. And today on the podcast, we get to talk with Dr. Nathan Esla and Dr. James Maxey. But before we dive into that, just wanting to remind all of you that we value you as listeners, and we value your partnership in God's mission. And one of those ways that you can partner is being a prayer partner for Lutheran Bible Translators. It is the strategy. Prayer is the strategy in this mission that we are doing through Bible translation. And you can partner in prayer through our monthly prayer calendar and signing up on our website, lbt.org. Or if you wanted to write to us, there is an opportunity for you to be able to participate in a monthly prayer gathering with other Lutheran Bible translators, missionary staff, board members, and partners. So I want to encourage you in that. You can write to us at info at lbt.org. All right. And we are going to talk to James Maxey and Nathan Esela. As you said, they are both, uh, as we'll get into in the interview, uh, meaningful role models in my life as I got into Bible translation work. So we'll share a little bit about that story. James is the Director of Strategic Alliances at Seed Company. Nathan has worked for us as our translations coordinator and has recently joined James's team in that strategic alliances space at Seed Company as part of a deepening strategic partnership between Lutheran Bible Translators and Seed Company. So we're going to let them unpack that for us, and we hope you enjoy this interview. All right, we are here in the studio today with Dr. James Maxey and Dr. Nathan Esela from Seed Company. We're going to talk some about our strategic alliance with them. So welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Great to be here, Rich. It's great having you guys in the studio. So whenever we begin a podcast, we want to introduce our listeners to our guests on the podcast. So starting off with you, Dr. Nathan Esla, <laughs> can you share a little bit about your background with Lutheran Bible translators and your missionary service? Sure, yeah. My family and I, Sarah, who's, who's been a presence on the podcast in the past, uh, we joined LBT in 2001, but probably had our intro to LBT a little earlier than that because back in college I got to meet David Federwitz who was a MK at the time and got to be friends with him and thought, hey, is this, this guy that was just so different from other people and really enjoyed his presence. And in 1998, I was in seminary by that point and went on a trip organized by Elvina Federowitz. Sarah and I both did to West Africa. And we were looking at different kinds of ministries and missions that were around, including health ministries and church planting ministries and Bible translation ministries and really enjoyed the Bible translation experience and meeting some LBT missionaries like uh, Dale and Elvina Federwitz, but also uh, Jonathan and Nancy Burmeister, mm -hmm. 
and David and June Drevlo and Jim and Susan Kaiser mm. and some of the different uh, things that were going on. And, and yeah, they, it was really a great time. And so that kind of planted the seeds that then towards the end of my seminary career turned into a call to Lutheran Bible translators and then kind of going to the linguistics training and the, and the partnership development, going around and preaching and talking and sharing the story of what we were planning on doing. It wasn't until 2003 in June that uh, we arrived in northern Ghana with our three-year-old daughter, Carissa, mm. and started living in a village in northern Ghana and Africa and trying to start learning the language and trying to figure out how to engage. We were under the Lutheran Church of Ghana. That was who was our host in the country and trying to figure out how to do Bible translation and literacy and scripture engagement kinds of activities. And we lived in Ghana for almost 10 years, a little shy of 10 years, and eventually did a lot of different things in terms of language development, literacy, but then eventually Bible translation. I mean, we did a lot of what we call partnership development here in the United States, where we go around to different churches. We did that in Ghana, also going around to different communities and churches and kind of telling the story of why are these people here and what are they about? And so that was a big part of what we ended up doing to kind of uh, encourage those different communities to know what we were about and try to get involved. New Testament really started in 2008 and mostly finished up by the end of 2012 and was published in 2014. And I've kind of, from that point, that would have been 2014, around that time, I don't know exactly when, started on as LBT's translation coordinator, Mm -hmm. um, which I've been kind of doing for the last number of years, while continuing working from a distance in Ghana under the Bible Society of Ghana, who's kind of always been the publisher and the translation consulting work. I don't know if the podcast listeners are all familiar with all these terms or not, but probably some of them are. I've been kind of a translation consultant underneath the Bible Society of Ghana's consultant for the Komba Old Testament project, which is about ready to, well, it's on the tail end of getting close to finishing up. It's always the end work is a lot more than you realize. So there's a lot of, in fact, I got a text message today about what are we going to do with these Old Testament quotes that were in the New Testament that weren't translated in the same way that when we thought they when we mm-hmm. hadn't translated, mm-hmm. should we change them in what way? And mm. you know, oh, there's a lot of details there that are you don't more, even think about, right? Yeah, and too much information probably. No, it's good. <laughs> a lot it's of great. people to <laughs> what people right. listen for TMI, yep. right? Yeah. So, did so. you know <clears throat> while you were serving as a missionary that you were recruiting by proxy? For, for Rich and, and Maya. Did you know that? Okay, so I don't know exactly what year it would have been. You might remember when I came with Peter Slayton and visited Concordia Seminary. I might have been on my first furlough. That was, I think, earlier than that. It was like 2002 before you even before went. Before first. Went. Yeah, because yeah, it was like right. in my first year of seminary. Yeah, still. that's right. But so, then you yeah. followed the story, and yes. that's what inspired you further. Yes, well, I became... When we just depends on how you look at. It. I became one of Nathan's pastors, basically. Yeah, I that's got right. Sent to yeah. the vicar and then pastor to his yeah. home congregation, and yeah, which yeah. was kind of wild because yeah. nobody connected those up. I don't right. know when that was like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you say there is a Holy Spirit then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rich, yeah. I know this is yeah. kind of going off script, but can yeah. you share about 
the story from Nathan, like how it inspired you. Sure, if I'm thinking of the... Yes, the, the Psalms right, the one. Same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the role of being Nathan and Sarah's pastor, just keeping up with them in those early years in Ghana, they struggled quite a bit yeah. with just learning life there and being sick and things like that. And so they told me about a time that they were both not well, and uh, they had malaria again for the umpteenth time. It was really hot, and they were kind of burning with fever on the floor and, you know, wondering if they should just keep going with this, if this was the right thing to do. And one of them crawled over to the bookshelf and pulled the Bible off and opened up to Psalms and started reading Psalms and just kind of came to the realization as they heard the sounds from around the outside of the walls of where they live, not very far away, were lots and lots of people who didn't have that option when they struggled in life to be able to turn to God's word and you know, clearly without uh, a lot of barriers, understand and hear God speaking. And so that was kind of pivotal in uh, their decision to stay. That that story was very impactful to me. Funny. When, when we've talked about it, it's like, I don't even remember this. <laughs> but yeah, it was very meaningful to me. And like, you know, I was on the fence of like, do I want to do this or not? And I was like, that I want to be part of something like that. And mm. That testimony has also sustained me in maybe mm. challenging times of traveling and on the road of why is it that we do this? Why is it that we participate in this ministry? It's so that people have God's word and that hope and to be able to dig in deeper, to have refreshment for their souls. So so you have had an impact on Reverend Dr. Richardowski, but so have you, Dr. James Maxey. So I know that your ministry and your role within Lutheran Bible Translators has enriched all of us through the generation. So Rich also was under your tutelage, I was going to say, in some ways, as director for program ministries with Lutheran Bible Translators. But can you share more of your history with the organization and yeah. beyond, really? I mean, your your work with Bible translation has been decades. Yeah, that's another way to say that. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, there have been several intertwined experiences with LBT in my personal life. I was born the year that LBT was born, mm. and, and that's always been meaningful. The day that I proposed to my wife, I gave her an application <laughs> for LBT. <laughs> <laughs> that's next level. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The day that we were married, we were in the photo shoot part of that experience. We got a phone call from one of the board members of LBT saying, you've been accepted as missionaries with Lutheran Bible translators. So there's a lot of interaction with LBT over the years. So we became missionaries with Lutheran Bible translators in 1988. And by 1991, we were in Cameroon, where we worked for 10 years in a remote village called Yoko and did New Testament translation with the community. And after 10 years, the Bishop of the National Lutheran Church invited me to coordinate their Office of Translation and Literacy in their, their national offices. So I did that for a couple years. After that, we returned to the States. I did a PhD program. And then the 2008 became the director of mm -hmm. uh, field programs, I think is what it's called now. Mm -hmm with LBT, and that's where we had these interactions. I yeah. was supervisor, for, well, both for uh, Rich and Nathan yeah. and, uh, at the time, and uh, that was a great time. So beyond that, after I went on to uh, another Bible translation organization, 
I did 10 years at American Bible Society at their NIDA Institute for Biblical Scholarship. And now, today, you find me uh, with Seed Company. I have had a well, 35-year history or so with Bible translation, and so happy to be here in the offices of LBT. So you share about every life stage and just this joy of Bible translation. What made you decide in the first place, like how did you hear about this need, and why is it that you wanted to get involved? It's a simple question, a long, long story that we can't get into all those details, but I was interested in languages, I was interested in making a difference. Mm. There was, I'd I'd never heard of Bible translation until I found this brochure about linguistic school that uh, I go to, and it's like, oh, this this would be a great thing to do. So, and I got to know a couple of the board members of LBT. They were professors of mine at a school, and so learned about that, and it, it seemed that this was a compelling vocation to do, and so it was a response to a call. That's wonderful. So in your current role as Director of Strategic Alliances with Seed Company, tell us a little bit about the role to this point and what kind of work you've been involved in it. Yeah. Really, it's a story about receiving a phone call one day from the CEO of Seed Company, Dr. Larry Jones, and he was inquiring about if I would be interested in joining Seed Company to help them explore relationships with mainline churches, in particular Lutheran churches and others around the world where there was a high concentration of, of languages without the, the Bible translated into them. And I was intrigued by the invitation. So now 12 months into it or so, 14 months for me, we've begun some of that work, and I'm happy to talk about that uh, in PNG, but it's still early in the, in the process. It's, it's been quite invigorating to be in this organization of Seed Company and to see how they do things differently than others and to learn from them and maybe help them understand a little bit more about the, the value of these connections with churches like the Lutheran Church around the world. That's exciting to explore, actually, again, just all the background connecting stuff. I was actually in this room on a call that I got called in for between uh, my predecessor, Mike, and Larry, and he was asking, like, hey, if I want to talk church stuff, is James Maxey a guy I should talk to? And I was like, yes, this, we know, this is the guy you want to talk to, and we need James Maxey working in the, the Bible translation movement. So that's exciting that we've reached this point. So we've come to now, uh, as part of the conversations over the last year, developed a further conversation about a closer partnership between Lutheran Bible Translators and Seed Company. Around church-led Bible translation, ostensibly, is kind of the, I think, the way that we've talked between our organizations. But what's strategic about a closer partnership? I offer that to either one of you, to however you want to. For me, the value of it is it's dialogical, that it's not one-sided, where there's, there's a benefit, I think, to Seed Company to learn the areas of expertise of LBT, the rich history they have with uh, relationships with uh, national churches around the world, Lutheran churches. And, and it could be that Seed Company has something to offer to LBT in the way they've been able to bring about effective connections between donors or investors and language communities around the world to um, facilitate this this work of Bible translation. So it's a mutual benefit in that way. Yeah, and I think Lutheran Bible Translators has had a nice long history. I mean, look, look at we started working with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ghana. That was the ministry that we came from 
that was how it was envisioned. And at the time, it was kind of like this was sort of a new step for LBT to kind of say we're going to directly, I don't know if it was totally new, but it, it, it seemed a little bit new, <laughs> that we're going to work underneath the Lutheran Church. And so kind of having that experience from the inside out, I think, has given a number of us in LBT a kind of a view towards Bible translation that's a little bit different from an organization like Seed Company. But what Seed Company has to offer LBT is sort of um, a level of management, a level of kind of thinking through the ways that these projects can make sense to a really changing church base here in the United States, where it's not always just going back to a church in whatever community and and telling them in Bible study about what we've been doing in Africa. That isn't the only way to talk about the work that's happening in in so many different parts of the world. So kind of telling the story perhaps in a different way, I think that's something that that Seed Company can offer. So I think there's a a lot of strategic connections. Now that I've just been in this role for just a little little bit of time, I'm hoping that we're going to be kind of uh, maybe be a little bit of a conduit between the kinds of learning that we've done in LBT. And I really haven't done enough learning in the Seed Company side to kind of say this is precisely how it's going to connect back to LBT as a benefit, but I really feel like it's going to be, like you said, dialogical. And why do you think, again, either one of you here, decisions and partnerships like this, why are they so important in this particular season? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll start with what you ended with this particular season. We're in a context not of competition, but of working together, complementation in a sense of uh, that, that working together, that it, it seems that, well, I mean, it, isn't it a biblical theme that this working together can strengthen an effort and we can be stronger together than a separate? I think that's a strategy. It, it's also a posture mm-hmm. of openness mm-hmm. yeah. that allows that. So we are in that season of collaboration in the Bible translation world, and it's happening elsewhere, and I think it's, it's a great uh, demonstration of that unity when LBT and Seed Company can can do some tasks together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, earlier this year, we had the opportunity to talk with Dr. John Chestnut and that idea of unity and what is it that we are called as the church to do together is mm-hmm. make God's word available and we want it in this generation. So yeah. what does it take in this season to make that happen? Yeah. So in the effort of this partnership, this alliance, what kinds of ideas do you have to explore as you're dreaming, as you're hoping? What, what is it that is on the horizon potentially? Well, the, the challenge that Seed Company gave me at the start was to explore possibilities in Papua New Guinea with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of PNG. And so one of the, the concrete fruits of that invitation was that I accompanied an LBT representative, Sarah Esala, to PNG. And we had known each other, but when you travel together uh, across the world for two weeks, you get to know each other more. (laughs) And uh, it was a great experience. And we presented a unified front to the national bishop and his cabinet of wanting to ask the question of how they understood Bible translation in relation to their ministry. And they were energized by the question because they had already put into their strategic plans 
for the previous year that they would engage Bible translation as church ministry mm-hmm. uh, to the next level. It's incredible. And, and so there we were having this opportunity to collaborate, demonstrating by our coming together, LBT and Seed Company, to this leadership group of the Lutheran Church of PNG. And the response was very positive. Since that initial visit, the National Council has voted that, yes, this is exactly what they want, Bible translation as church ministry. And we're now waiting for just in a few months, towards the end of January, where the National Synod will ratify the council's decision. And then, in a sense, the real work begins, right? What does it look like? And that's really a question that the Lutheran Church of PNG needs to ask itself. They're the ones to direct how is this going to work in their context. And if Nathan and I and Sarah and other many others can contribute some way, it will be learning from them and maybe posing some questions that they can learn from other parts of the world where Bible translation is, is already going on. So that's a very concrete type of collaboration with Seed Company and LBT that is still in process. I just want to jump in. You know, a lot of the things that Lutheran church partners around the world offer to the Bible translation movement is the fact that they have put in years and years of effort and work in connecting to communities from the grassroots all the way up to their national levels. They've built through blood, sweat, and tears of generations of people that have gone before us, uh, seminaries and institutions of learning and training things for their evangelists. And I don't even know all the categories of their ministry folks, but but they've kind of saturated in a lot of ways these places with all this infrastructure. And here we are coming in saying, hey, we've got you know, we've got this energy for Bible translation and we've got some knowledge. We might have a little bit of financial things to contribute, but they've got all this stuff and all these things that we could never build. We would need a hundred years to build in the same way. And so I think they've got a lot. And and a lot of times this is undervalued by us coming in. We don't really, we kind of take for granted um, that that's all there. And so I think we've got a lot to learn from from them, and hopefully there'll be a meeting of the mind somewhere and some things that we can contribute. I do think we've got a lot of learning and a lot of knowledge that's going to be useful for them, but hopefully they'll have that. You know, it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of calibrate the kinds of things because I don't know the first thing about Papua New Guinea. Right. But I say the first thing. We don't know a lot about Papua New Guinea. And, and neither does Lutheran Bible translators. There's individuals who might. There's individuals in Seed Company mm-hmm. who don't know, but... Yeah, hopefully there'll be a meeting of the minds and some kind of calibration that takes place that's going to catalyze and be energetic for them, and we'll see some difference. Something that brings life and is life-giving and energizing to people, that's what I'm hoping for. That brings kind of the transformation and the kind of, it's the kinds of stories that moved us to want to get involved. Right. So we have in mind our hopes, our dreams, what motivates us at this table but where did the motivation, where did the influence come for this partnership to actually become a reality, this alliance to become a reality? Sure. Well, I think in, in some ways it's, it's about relationships. It's about the connections. We've already discussed some of that, of this intertwining of interactions uh, the three of us at least have had in, in the past number of years. But Seed Company also has as its mission to accelerate scripture translation and impact for people without God's word 
through great commission partnerships. And it's those last words that just uh, lean on, through great commission partnerships. And that's what I imagine in this connection with LBT and seed companies. We are part of a common mission that motivates us in this in this partnership desire. Yeah, and we just wanted to ask again now if you think just broadly about your both of you have a substantial experience in Bible translation and ministry and in you know living in places outside of your home culture. So, what kind of experiences do you think Christians in North America or maybe people in the Bible translation movement as well can learn from the majority world Christians that you spent a lot of time with in your lives? I would uh, start by just reinforcing that much of what I learn that I try and pass on these days about Bible translation is what I learned in a village mm-hmm. in Cameroon. Yeah, I did PhD work and and uh, lots of formal training, but the things that really are the practical parts of what I try and share, I learned sitting around a fire or or around a table with my Cameroonian friends and colleagues, and and so they remain some of my greatest teachers, mm-hmm. and that is a reminder to us of, of how we can learn, and, and, and it's necessary for us to be open to learning from people who are quite other. And you don't have to go to Cameroon to have that experience. Right. You can be in your hometown, home city, and there is a, a variety of languages being spoken, of cultures being represented. And rather than consider that dangerous or just completely other, we see the commonality of our humanity and at times of our common faith and a, a chance to learn. So I think we can express really the values of Bible translation right where we are in our congregations, in our towns, as we encounter the people that maybe don't look like us, don't talk like us, maybe don't even think necessarily like us. I love that question. There's a lot that we could learn from global south christians from world christianity here in north america one of the ways would be just to go down the street and see you know who's in your community who might be from a global south location who's migrated here i was walking just yesterday here in concordia missouri and i saw a spanish-speaking congregation or a signboard for one i mean it's possible that people from places where lutheran bible translators uh, translated bibles like in guatemala and other places what if there's people from those communities who have migrated here, you know, uh, to Concordia, Missouri? But e- even if it's not that that case, it's just the reality is we, we have a lot of opportunities to make relationships, to share things about our faith, and to learn things about the Christian faith from contexts where Christianity is really vibrant and growing. And, uh, you know, another option would be to read Global South Christian theologians. Last year, Ishne Vite encouraged me to lead a book club within Lutheran Bible translators to discuss a book that I was really kind of passionate about. This book was about uh, Ghanaian theologian Kwame Bediako, and it was kind of a compilation written by a guy named Tim Hartman who read through Bediako's work and presented Bediako in dialogue with a number of other African theologians, but also presented it for North Americans and other Christians around the world to read about the theological resources coming out of Africa that could be relevant for faith life here in North America. I mean, Christianity is really vital and, you know, growing and vibrant in Africa. 
What about the theological resources that are undergirding some of that vibrancy? Perhaps that might reinvigorate us and challenge us to think about our theological and faith lives in a different way. And our faith is not just something that is sort of like nostalgia, but something that's vital to surviving and thriving and energizing and connecting to each other, like building bridges. That's one of the things I see at the function of, of, of Christianity. The practice of Christianity in Ghana was a lot about building bridges between people. It was about finding a way to say, hey, that group over there that we didn't have the same relationships, we're brothers and sisters. And, and we kind of know that, but now we know it in a deeper way. Or even we don't share exactly the same faith, but we know how to work together and how to treat each other in a way that Jesus would like, even if um, we don't share faith in the exact same way. So reading good African theological or world Christian theological resources and kind of dialoguing back and forth with them might be another way to, to really learn more about the vital faith life of Christianity in the global South. I love that building bridges and transformation And this is at the heart of the gospel that the Lord emptied himself and built a bridge in our brokenness. And that's what we're called to do for one another is proclaim his love. And how do we do that is making his word available so that everyone can build those bridges in their communities and that they can have that hope. And just to jump on there too, faith is something vital. I mean, you know, I think we are a lot more like the folks who have to rely on their faith than we want to admit that's true that we are right mm-hmm. so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so gentlemen how is it that we can be praying for you at the beginning of this beautiful alliance well one step i think is just just praying for uh, open minds to kind of learn and see and not prejudge exactly what may or may not be holding things loosely mm-hmm. but hopefully yeah. For me, probably just to get my feet underneath me a little bit because there's a learning curve, I think. And maybe some fear, I think, on my side, just how, how is this going to look? How is this going to happen to, for instance, work with the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Papua New Guinea? How are we going to come together in a way that is energizing for the church? And there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that comes together in a lot of Bible translation work. And so not taking that for granted and recognizing that asking for prayers for faith amidst fear and trembling Mm. (laughs) what it takes to get things to move things forward you know well on a more practical note both nathan and i will do our fair share of of international travel Mm. yep so prayers for safety prayers for physical endurance it's you don't know this yet but you're on for a very long trip to papua new guinea and uh And, and just to have that ability to do that, use the time well, and uh, that God would watch over us, watch over our families. These are the type of prayers that I would ask for. One more thing, I think, too, you know, I have kind of pulled back a little bit of time for the last few years while Sarah's gone on to do the regional director work. And now for me to kind of ramp up, that's going to be a lot on, on, on yeah. family scheduling and that kind of thing. So I would appreciate those prayers as well to kind of manage the realities of international travel when two people are doing it throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure getting to know more about your ministry and the Alliance coming up, and we are honored to be praying for you both. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great to be here at the LBT offices and look forward to the continuing relationship.
Okay, so one of the most impactful parts of the conversation for me was just leaning into the ongoing theme, which I, listeners will, I think, pick up uh, if you've been listening to us for a while, is the deepening collaboration between ministries focused on Bible translation, the investment and capacity of growing partnerships and churches that are emerging in their desire and vision and mission to put God's word in their hands the, of their neighbors, of the people that are in their language community going deeper or in people in surrounding language communities. And so this is another angle on investing in that capacity building and hopefully leveraging the strengths of our two organizations while learning from each other as well. Yeah, with the Every Tribe, Every Nation Alliance, this impact alliance focused on making God's word accessible to people in this generation by 2033. We need to partner together. We need this kind of alliance between organizations like the Seed Company and Lutheran Bible Translators. The Lord has called us to unity. The Lord has called us to proclaim his name to the nations. And we can only see that success when we come together, we pray together, and we seek after him together. And that happens through his word. We'd love for you to find out more about the Collective Impact Alliance. You can do that by going to our page, lbt.org. If you scroll to the bottom, you're going to see Illuminations and click there, or you can go straight to illuminations.bible. That's illuminations.bible and check out what's going on in the Illuminations Collective Impact Alliance to put God's word in every language in the next 10 years. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is edited and produced by Audrey Sider. Executive producer is Emily Wilson. Artwork designed by Caleb Rodewald and Sarah Rodowski. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Richard Rodowski. So long for now. <laughs> <laughs>